This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey, y'all. Happy Friday from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. It's July 21st, New Music Friday. And joining me to talk about the best releases out this week is WXPN's John Morrison. Hey, what's up, y'all? NPR Music Editors, Hazel Sills. Hey. And Sheldon Pierce. What's good? What's good is that we've got a super stacked Barbie album that's out this week. We've also got new ones from Andrew Bird, a live performance from Nina Simone, and uh, a whole bunch more. But we start with the band New Jeans. Their latest EP is called Get Up. This is the song ETA. This is a relatively new K-pop group, five-member girl group who debuted last year from the same company who unleashed BTS into the world. Mm. And I think what has really set them apart is their sound. Their sound feels so different to me from what I think a lot of popular K-pop sounds like. Like, I I think I had this idea in my head that K-pop was like all BTS and Blackpink and uniformly bombastic and really bubbly and compared to a lot of American pop, kind of dated and theatrical. But what New Jeans does so well, especially on this EP, is they have this really relaxed, cool, deeply retro, almost like early 2000s R&B sound. This song reminds me of that moment in the mid-2000s where there was all of this marching band (laughs) type Mm. pop and hip-hop like I I was thinking about like Timbaland's production on Madonna's Four Minutes or like the Neptune's production on Hollow Batgirl. New Jeans has just tapped into this really wonderfully cute retro sound and I'm like totally on board. I was like not into K-pop. I heard them last year and I love it. Yeah, I am a longtime K-pop convert uh, for many, many years, and I'm sort of fascinated by New Jeans. They are sort of representative of this changing of the guard that is taking place with fourth-gen girl groups. The CEO of their imprint, uh, Min Hee Jin, who oversees all of their music, and she is sort of credited with pushing K-pop towards a more concept-driven aesthetic. And that ostensibly is what New Jeans is. It's very high concept. Unlike most K-pop groups, they have primary producers that they work with across their entire discography. 
They don't use reference vocals. They almost never sing as a unit. It's all isolated vocal lines. And they've nixed the sort of out of nowhere rap bridges uh, in favor of subtler nods to hip hop culture. They've been pretty much sold as the idol system without the bugs. But I think what has really sort of distinguished them is that they are less ham-fisted deploying their influences. The stuff on this EP is like pretty solidly the best music they've made. All of their music has both this twitchiness and a litheness to it. But like on Super Shy, you can almost hear the exact jungle breakbeat from like Leviticus's The Burial. That is, I think, a lot of the appeal. They are pushing back against this sort of idea of syntheticness in K-pop towards like a more organic electronic sound. It's interesting, Sheldon, you say, like, it's a little bit warmer in, and Hazel, the differences that you noticed in the music, too, that makes it feel a little more organic. And, I, I, you know, I'm always skeptical of music that seems like it was made in a lab, right, manufactured in a, in a lab. But I found this whole EP to be completely irresistible, so incredibly hooky, and the little details they add, like you take the song ASAP. They have these little tick-tock, tick-tocks that they do is like so ridiculously catchy. But there's a vibe in the music I picked up on. I'm not sure if it's just me or if it's really in there. And it's almost a surreal vibe to it. You know, and surreal isn't really the right word, but I'm wondering if anyone else clocked this. It's like clearly fun and sweet and they can do a banger like ETA, but I could not shake the feeling that things were not what they appeared to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to the electronic influences on the album that Sheldon mentioned. Like when I listened to New Jeans and I listened to this EP, I was like, this feels like K-pop for a generation that's like listening to Pink Pantheress or like listening to Shy Girl, listening to artists who are, you know, playing with sweetness and cuteness in pop music, but sort of giving it an edge or sort of Mm. like, you know, sort of roughing it around the edges a little bit, but you have to listen closely to hear that. And I think one of this EP's strengths is its writing. The artist Erica DeCassier, who's a Danish artist who makes very cheeky electro pop music, very like thinky pop music. She's credited across a bulk of the songs on this album. And I thought that was such a wild choice to bring an artist like her um, into the songwriting process for a K-pop group. And that to me also speaks to that high concept aspect that Sheldon was talking about earlier, that they aren't just making good pop music for the sake of good pop music. They're sort of getting like one level deeper and really thinking about the future. Mm. All right, that's New Jeans. Their new EP is called Get Up. That's out now on July 21st. There's also a new one out today that we're loving from Fatboy Sharif and Steel Tip Dove. Uh, You would probably call this the complete inverse sound of New Jeans inhabiting a completely different universe. The album from Fatboy Sharif and Steel Tip Dove is called Decay. This is the song Designer Drugs. Let the bone man the cinema celebration. Pitch assassinated, he wrote math equation. Eyes water, film self-rage, systematic change. World reach a dead age. 
You ever watch a movie like Eraserhead or Holy Mountain <laughs> and think like, yo, this should be a rap album? <laughs> I never have. thought of Eraserhead as a rap album, but or that you would name check that, but I so get it. This I this record, it, yeah. if if you have had that thought and, and that feeling, this record might be perfect for you. And like no hyperbole, I think that Sharif is one of the most brilliant and unique minds in rap music right now. He pulls all of these different influences. You know, I, I said Eraserhead, so definitely uh, David Lynch is, is an influence in the imagery that Sharif conjures. budget horror films it's like all of this different stuff that he brings together and creates these self-contained worlds or maybe they are uh, connected I, I now i'm having this thought like maybe these records that fat boy sharif has been putting out over the last few years are they a connected universe i don't know you know what i mean but mm. i think that this record is absolutely brilliant and it's something that's like truly avant-garde and poetic but also so psychologically dark it feels psychedelic but it's like bad trip psychedelia Yeah, it's interesting. Decay feels like just the right title for this. There's an aspect of like a time lapse video of like watching something rot. It it just feels like it's like melting. And like if you get too close, it'll melt your face off. Sharif loves to sort of regurgitate his thoughts into a weird ass beat. And all Steel Tip Dub does is make weird ass beats. So it's like a sort of match made in heaven. And there is a sense of like evil, <laughs> doom and gloom that hangs over this release that is really cool and really interesting. And I think I'm guessing that, that really connected with you, Hazel. <laughs> yeah, we're also both from New Jersey, I was gonna say. I'm from New Jersey, which is the bleakest, yeah. bleakest, most chaotic state in the country. And so I was like, yeah, this is a New Jersey album through and through. <laughs> it's funny, Hazel, I had a feeling you would like this. I was listening to this and I was like, this is Hazel's jam. This is super dark and weird. And yeah. I turned this on. I didn't know anything about either of them. And I heard the almost like burial horrorcore production and a Pan's Labyrinth reference. And I was like, I'm I'm totally in. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's delightfully evil, deeply creepy. I thought it was an incredible, incredible album.
five months and two days to remain sober. Listening, calling Drew, we help and watch the movie. Yeah, kind of to John's point about how these two things exist, right? Like, it's really messed up, but it's also very poetic, and there's kind of a beauty, in, or it's delightfully evil, as you say, Hazel. One of my favorite cuts is one called Demethyltryptamine. And dimethyltryptamine is a, it's a hallucinogen, right? It's, yeah. And it's a drug that can cause psychosis in some people. And the song, like much of the album, kind of feels like psychosis, right? And it, it also creates this idea that you're not just in Fat Boy Sharif's universe, but a universe that is inhabited because there are all these other voices that drift in and out of consciousness. But at the same time, he name-checks NPR and Tiny Desks later on the album on the song Green Winged Shoulder Padding. Did you all catch that? No. I did beat that. Yeah. Are you sure you heard that, Robin? Or were you, like, hallucinating so hard? Well, I was on dimethyltryptamine at the time, so it's entirely possible Yo. I hallucinated that. And then I the don't background know vocal. Yeah, I don't Tiny know who he's dad. talking about. Is, he says Leonardo, I think, <laughs> brought back his voodoo doll to NPR and the Tiny Desk. I don't know. I, I actually Googled Leonardo <laughs> and Tiny Desk. Like, did I miss somebody named Leonardo who was at the Tiny Desk? Yeah. Yes, I mean, so many of the lyrics on this record, they you like lean in to listen closer through all the noise and it's like you still don't quite it's such a grog it's like when you first wake up and somebody's trying to talk to you and all the words seem scrambled and out of order and it does feel like as you wade through this whole thing you're trying to get your bearings but it is that sort of poetic sensibility that john talked about that guides you through. You are sort of moored in time by these this sloshiness of his flows, which is really cool. I love those two words you just used, warp <laughs> and sloshiness, <laughs> to describe the production. It's, it's, it's so bugged out and, and creative and weird in the best way. Okay, that's the rapper Fat Boy Sharif along with the producer Steel Tip Dove. Their new project together is called Decay. Let's do one more before we take a quick break. It's one that was just announced from Andrew Bird. It's called Outside Problems. This is the song Festivus. pandemic lockdown 
Andrew Bird wrote the album Inside Problems as a means to consider the contours of his own mind. Its look at interior life was intimate and also funny, and the album hinted at this clear binary, as he literally told VMP, everything could be so simplistically boiled down to a matter of inside and outside problems, which struck him as funny, and well, a year later, here are the outside ones. It's fitting that Inside Problems was heady and lyrical, like an endless, unspooling, internal monologue, and Outside Problems is entirely instrumental. These songs were mostly recorded outdoors, and as is usually the case, his greatest weapon is his violin, and the masterful way that he sort of has control of his instrument just really is sort of awe-inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I put this album on completely blind, and I like hadn't read anything about it, and I kept waiting for his voice. I was like, what's going on here? I kept waiting for it. Um, and as beautifully instrumental as it is, and, and the way that it sort of incorporates the sounds of the natural world, I, I really loved the little moments on the album where you do hear him. You know, there's yeah. the beats of breath that you hear on Mormon House. Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, how he uses his instrument in so many interesting ways. But I feel like making that beautiful balance of like recording in the outdoors, but then using your instrument um, in various ways, but then also incorporating your voice, not as the star, but as another instrument itself is really one of the more fascinating things about this album. I just feel like everything is sort of an instrument in this beautifully subtle way. And similarly to Sheldon, I, I did go back and listen to um, Inside Problems a bit, and I, you know, I can hear a bit of the crossover, but this feels so much looser and feels so much sort of more casual. It's a very weird sibling of an album, but I yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> this whole thing felt like a dream, and it went by quickly. You know what I mean? Like mm. when you, I don't know if you, you, if y'all have experienced this, like you go to sleep in like the afternoon and you have like a, a vivid dream or a set of dreams. And it's, it's kind of like a flash in your, in your mind and in your consciousness. And you realize like, oh shit, I've only been like asleep for 30 minutes. <laughs> but I, had this, I had this glowing subconscious experience. Yeah, it sounded like the perfect day to me. I saw this montage of, you know, drinks at the cafe, followed by a, a ride on a Vespa with your best friend, and then, you know, moments regarding great works of art at the museum, and a stroll in the park, and then lying in the grass on a summer night, counting the stars, you know, it's just all so perfect. I did kind of miss Andrew Bird's voice. I listened like you did, Hazel, where didn't read anything, 
didn't listen to anything, just put it on and start listening. But Sheldon, to your point, you know, I was reminded of what a remarkable musician he is. Just yeah. his ability to give birth to song like this, largely improvised. And, you know, I, I couldn't confirm this ahead of this taping, but I would not be surprised if he also tracked all of these in real time using the looping pedal. Yeah. That, that's something that he's he's yeah, he really, that. really got a gift for, where he just starts it and just starts building on, on what he's improvising. Really beautiful. All right, again, that's Andrew Bird. His new album is called Outside Problems, just one of the releases out today that we're loving. We've got a few more things that we want to share with you for this week, including the new Barbie soundtrack. But first, let's take a quick break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, A People's History, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Dive into the chilling new Hulu original series, Under the Bridge, the riveting adaptation of the acclaimed true crime book. Based on shocking true events, Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. Go deep into the hidden world of the town's tormented teenagers as detectives race to solve the sinister crime. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. It's New Music Friday from NPR, and we're looking at the best releases out now on July 21st, including the highly anticipated Barbie soundtrack. So many incredible artists featured across the album, including Dua Lipa and her song, Dance the Night. So for the past, you know, several years, it's become sort of popular for huge blockbuster movies to have these big name-stuffed original pop soundtracks. So like the first Black Panther movie came out in 2018, Kendrick Lamar produced and curated it. The soundtrack for the Minions movie came out last year and was a bunch of high-profile covers produced by Jack Antonoff. This year we had the Metro Boomin produced soundtrack for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And now we have the Barbie soundtrack 
produced by Mark Ronson, which is, of course, pegged to the Barbie feature film, which is directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, um, which also comes out this week. So, yeah, it is a huge, huge stuffed album full of sparkly, pink, funny, light tracks that just evoke everything about the iconic doll. I feel like this album is at its best, um, and I'm curious if people agree or disagree, when it's, uh, the music is kind of silly and meta, like understands mm. the assignment that we are making music for a Barbie film. It's plasticky, it's cute, it's fun, and the songs that stood out to me were by people who I feel like really understood that assignment, so like Pink by Lizzo, I actually laughed out loud at the moment where she did an acrostic poem in the song for the word pink. <laughs> Like, it's so stupid (laughs) and silly and, like, so quintessentially Lizzo. Like, I can just see her—I can see her grin when I hear that song. Yeah. Mark Ronson told Time that every artist on the soundtrack saw a scene they were going to write for and approached the songs with their own distinct style of music. So I think it follows that— the artists who are sort of in tune with the Barbie aesthetic sort of knew what they were doing. Like, Man I Am by Sam Smith. I was pleasantly surprised at how fun that song was. I think there's something brilliant about having someone like Sam Smith, who is non-binary, perform this hyper-masculine power ballad that sounds like it was written by a 12-year-old about everything it means to be manly. There's references to dirty cars and Wall Street. There's that line, no, I'm not gay, bro, but I've been on the lay low. I think where the album loses me is when you look at this huge, huge track list. I feel like some of the tracks don't feel very, like, Barbie to me. Like, that song, Butterflies, by Gail. Oh my God. I never thought, Sheldon looks stressed when I said <laughs> I know. I never thought I would hear a pop-punk reworking of the 1990 song Butterfly by Crazy Town. So that was an example of me, like someone, it's a silly song vibe in the, dire- in the direction that I didn't want it to go. But I feel like overall, this project hit the mark for me. Yeah, Hazel, you basically took the words out of my mouth. I had literally written down as the spectrum for this soundtrack, Gale evoking Crazy Town (laughs) as the bare bottom of this, and then Sam Smith's Man I Am as the peak of what is possible here. Going into a Barbie movie, there seems to be a universal aesthetic that people sort of understand. It's interesting to have Mark Ronson be at the helm of this movie in the wake of that. But I think, to Hazel's point, it's like you have Billie Eilish. Taking a drive, I was an ideal, looked so alive. Turns out I'm not real, just something you paid for. Doing Billie Eilish, but her take on Barbie, I think the stuff that really soars on this track list are artists who 
know the game. They know exactly what bit they're playing into. And they use this template to make their song about Barbie. Well, maybe it's because I have elementary school age kids. Maybe my idea of what music to expect when you think Barbie is a little different because to me this this was almost a, it's it's almost subversive in a way and that's partly what Greta Gerwig does in her art as well that is so good which is that she can take something and take your expectations and respect those and feed into those while at the same time kind of undercutting them or turning them in a slightly different direction, right? But it was not what I was expecting. And I, and I, the word subversive is kind of what I keep coming back to. If you still in doubt. Yeah, I agree. The moments of subversion and sort of winkiness and cheekiness on the album are, for me, the the strengths. Like even something like, you know, Nicki Minaj and Ice Spice on Barbie World, where, you know, they're singing, in the pink Ferrari, we're pilling out. Like no Barbies yeah. are pilling out in any, <laughs> any, for, any of their Ferraris. But Nicki and Ice Spice, who are, you know, they, they exist in the Barbie universe to me, to, to borrow Sheldon's point, is like they are if they were Barbies. All right, that's Barbie, the soundtrack and score for the new film that's also out today. As always, we'll wrap up with a quick lightning round of some other notable releases for July 21st. But first, we've got what I think is a pretty incredible new live album from Nina Simone. It's called You've Got to Learn. It's a performance she gave at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1966. This is the song Blues for Mama. So Nina Simone obviously needs no introduction. She was one of the great masters of American music. And this album, You've Gotta Learn, just reinforces that. Every inch of these recordings is just burning with power. In the classic Nina Simone style, there's deep tenderness that she brings to these songs, but also like this kind of furious outrage. Obviously, this was at the height of the civil rights movement when she was pouring all of this energy into this music. And it's just a reminder of what Nina could do and, and really what she did best. She could take a song, whether she composed it or not, her own compositions or somebody else's, she could take a song and like stick it in your heart <laughs> real deep and, and make it stay there. 
the power in this record is almost too much for me. John, you mentioned how this was at the, the peak of the civil rights movement, too, and she does this version of Mississippi Goddamn that is just incredible and provides this portrait of a, of a time that feels all too relevant. School boycotts, they try to tell me it's a communist plot. But all I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my mama, my people and me. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly, I haven't heard every recording of Mississippi Goddamn, but I think of that song as this fast-paced, rollicking piano number, and she really slows this song down in this set, um, and it just completely changed, at least for me, like the message she's communicating that, in that song and, and you know, the, the things that she's reflecting on. Yeah, there's a, a deep, deep indignation in this version of Mississippi Goddamn, like, it, and that sentiment here in particular when she kind of uh, slows it down and digs in you can feel that she's like you know i, I don't want to like be basic go, and go like, oh yeah this this shit is <laughs> fucked up no no no, no. Go <laughs> on. i don't go i don't want to be like uh, you know oh obviously this is fucked up but you can feel like the venom in it you know i couldn't imagine what that felt like in the summer of 1966, looking around and seeing all of this shit, people are burning churches. And I couldn't imagine this, the, the disgust and indignation that she probably felt playing that song in that moment, you know, knowing what, what the stakes were. Yeah, this, this is probably one of the songs she plays most during this period. And this one is notable because it came shortly after she had just played um, a march uh, protest with other stars of that that moment. Every time she does it, you can f- sort of hear it taking a little something out of her. But this one is really, really just full of anguish. Um, but what is interesting about this record to me is that it demonstrates Nina's obvious command over her audience. She was noted in her later years for being a kind of fickle entertainer. But here you get to hear how she moves crowds. Got to learn to hide your tears, child. Tell your soul that life must go on. When she sings, you've got to learn to hide your tears, child, on the opener, you can hear somebody audibly say, yeah, as if they're catching the Holy Spirit. There are just moments when you can hear the chatter dissipate before she steps to the mic and begins to play. It's a really, really powerful testament to the kind of artist she was and the way that she was able to move people. And it's hard as you're listening not to feel just as moved as those who were sitting in the crowd then, even all these years later. All right, Nina Simone, the album, uh, an incredible live recording from the Newport Jazz Festival in 1966. It's called You've Got to Learn. And before we go, let's just take a minute here to go around the room and mention a few uh, other notable releases out today. Hazel, we'll start with you. Yeah, I just wanted to shout out a new single from the artist MJ Lenderman, who released the acclaimed album Boat Songs last year. He's also a member of the band Wednesday, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, the song is called Rudolph.
And it's really just what he does best, this like twangy, scuzzy country rock. And I'm really excited to keep following, you know, his solo career and, and what he has coming up. John. Yeah, my pick this week is Mother Tongues and their album Love in a Vicious Way. Mother Tongues is a Canadian rock band, and this album, Love in a Vicious Way, is absolutely fantastic. It has shades of that lovely, like 4AD dream pop style of music. The songs are beautifully written. They have drama and, and atmosphere. And one thing I kept thinking about listening to this record and like playing it in headphones, follow me on this. If I lived in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe... You're talking my language now. You feel me? And I got hired to book bands to play at the Bronze. Yes. I would definitely book <laughs> Mother Tongues to come and play. <laughs> Highly recommend it. I'm sold. I love that. Sheldon. My lightning round pick is Lucky's Sex Money Drugs. I'm trying to hit a pop star. Told her I quit lean. Blue pills and white car straight. Yeah, three... 50 can but my hands filthy. Even though it's cold, hell, Ricky Denty. You keep sticking your nose everywhere, it's risky. Got on 6,000 in clothes, and my pop the same thing. Designer drugs forever, me and her even close. Never turn you down or your free man pass revolt. After years on the indie rap circuit, sort of transitioning from a style he called alternative trap to a groggy sort of drug-addled blues. The Chicago rapper has finally reached a pinnacle of his indulgent, moody sound, um, revealing the darker side of a rock and roll life. All right, and I'll mention the new Blur album. Blur's back from an eight-year hiatus with a new one called The Ballad of Darren. So for those who don't know, this is a band fronted by Damon Albarn. Uh, before he had Gorillaz, before he had The Good, The Bad, and The Queen and his solo work, there was Blur. They've been around since the late 80s. They were a huge presence in 90s Britpop. They were often battling it out with Oasis. Uh, as I said, this is Blur's first new album in eight years, and to me, they sound like they've completely hit the reset button in really wonderful, inspired ways. They're having fun. It rocks. Uh, really great to have them back. Blur, The Ballad of Darren is their new album out today. And that'll do it for this week's New Music Friday. My thanks to Hazel Sills, John Morrison, and Sheldon Pierce. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Robin. Thank you, Thank Robin. You. All right, don't forget you can see a complete list of everything that we talked about and played on the show in the episode description in your podcast feed. 
We've also got a list there of other notable releases out today that we didn't get a chance to mention. You can hear full versions of the songs along with a whole bunch of new singles that dropped this week in our expanded New Music Friday playlists. Just search for NPR in Apple Music or Spotify. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep up with the latest from NPR Music. You'll find it at npr.org slash music newsletter. And for NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. I hope you have a great weekend. Be well and treat yourself to lots of music. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.